from the language of this EO, it, what's clear is that um, the federal government is now being mandated to leverage AI and then use that AI to improve how it does everything it does. One thing that stood out for me was there's nothing actionable. It's all intent to do something. I think it's things that will affect us a lot down the line um, once there are more definitions. I do think though that there's the opportunity right now for all of us as AI developers to get involved. Hi, I'm Esther. And I'm Sean. I write about AI news here at Tech Target in Massachusetts. And I edit Esther's stories. We're here to talk with tech experts about everything AI and ChatGPT. And don't forget about Google Bard. Whether it's who's ahead in the generative AI race, the metaverse, digital twins, or even the latest in autonomous vehicles, We've got it covered, right, Sean? Yep, we've got it covered. Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Targeting AI podcast from Tech Target News. Today, we're getting reaction to the executive order on AI signed by President Biden last week. Uh, we're talking to a, a selection of expert observers. For this segment, we're talking with Ala Valente, uh, senior analyst at Forrester Research, serving security and risk professionals. She covers governance, risk, and compliance, third-party risk management, contract lifecycle management, and and some other stuff for Forrester, but we're mostly focusing here on the governance, risk, and compliance. So welcome to the podcast, Ala. Sean, Esther, great to be here. Thanks for having okay, me. Okay, so Ala, what are the key compliance aspects that AI vendors and other tech companies have to pay attention to in the executive order? Yeah, Sean. So there are a number of um, areas that all organizations, whether they are uh, security or AI vendors, private sector companies, and then especially the federal space need to pay attention to. Um, you know, this 60 plus page executive order is pretty broad in all of the areas that it touches and um, how it perceives both the benefits of AI going forward to the nation's competitiveness, uh, innovation, and also how we need to be able to adapt to leverage the power of AI. Um, some of the areas that I think were notable are, first of all, um, calling for these standards in AI safety and security. I think that's definitely um, something that jumps right at you. In fact, in the executive order, they talk about the creation of these new standards for uh, testing AI that are going to be building on the current um, NIST AI framework. But what they're going to do is also add components in there around um, the red team testing as well as generative AI and also add some resources that go you know, as far back as um, the AI, the product development life cycle. They're going to, you know, what the executive order is um, hoping to do is identify some of the risks as early as possible. And that means not waiting until the model is trained, commercially available and deployed, but it's around how do you embed those um, security and risk management best practices much earlier on in the development life cycle of the model. Does the executive order lay out a process for that? I, it's, it's a little hazy on like, you know, how that'll work uh, technically with the vendors going to a certain government. Do they go to NIST? Is there a new office in 
NIST, the National Institute for Standards and Technology, or is it some other group? Is, do you mean for the development of that standard? Yes. So do, will they have to submit, you know, specs to NIST? Will they have to, who's going to oversee that? So I, I think you might be asking about two separate areas. One is the development of these standards that are going to be added to NIST and NIST will be, um, they'll be included as part of NIST standards on AI. Um, it's going to be an interagency effort, especially getting those new standards um, pushed out to other agencies to make sure that the different agencies within the federal government are also adopting those standards. Um, but you might be referring to how companies, especially these producers of foundation models, where they're going to have to go as they, you know, uh, produce the results of some of their red team testing efforts. So in the executive order, they call out how, um, you know, organizations that develop these models will have to um, let the government know when they're testing, but also as they deploy the red team testing standards, they're going to have to share those results with the federal government. That's not quite known yet exactly what that process will look like. Um, and granted, those new standards haven't yet been developed, but you know what's clear and kind of permeates the entire executive order is that there's direct timeframes, you know, in some cases as short as 90 days and others uh, 180 days where there's going to be both studies that are taking place right now to develop a, a sort of benchmark, as well as dates for when new regulations or new frameworks and guidelines are going to be put out. Now, once those are put out, um, I mean, the executive order is very big on collaboration and partnership. So the different agencies within the federal government working together, as well as um, this government, as well as private sector, academia, you know, all of these other broader aspects of our society coming together to both operationalize some of these guidelines, as well as push them out and operationalize them in how we use AI kind of across the board. So um, we're going to shift gear and kind of ask about a little bit about um, how does the executive order address AI and cybersecurity issues and how would the process work? Well, within the executive order, they talk about not only identifying issues within AI models, um, but they also talk about leveraging AI to identify issues in AI. So, you know, from the language of this EO, it, what's clear is that um, the federal government is now being mandated to leverage AI and then use that AI to improve how it does everything it does. Uh, when it comes to the cybersecurity aspect, you know, uh, there are several areas where they talk about how to use AI products in how they identify risks, how they identify vulnerabilities, but also how they mitigate them. Um, so it looks like AI will be both the sort of uh, the target of this EO as well as the output of the EO. Okay, so you mentioned in your blog post about the EO that uh, the order will affect industries and companies doing business with the US government. Would it also affect companies that are not doing business with the US government? or? 
<laughs> That's an interesting question because the government's reach is so broad. Um, look, you know, last year, I think it's according to the Government Accountability Office, last year, the federal government procured something like almost $7 billion in contracts. Um, so the scope of the federal government's supply chain, everyone who supports the government, whether they're selling to, servicing, uh, or in some way involved in the federal government is incredibly broad. Not to mention that those companies that are doing business with the government who are going to want to adopt these standards will push those standards down to their business partners, so their vendors, their suppliers. Um, an interesting aspect, um, in the executive order in section four was that they talk about how within 150 days of the order that the secretary of treasury is going to issue a public report on best practices for financial institutions to manage ai specific cybersecurity. so let's say this study comes out which leads to additional guidelines for uh, financial institutions now all of a sudden that gets pushed down to all the companies that work with financial sector, which obviously gets even broader. So look, whether you're, you know, a government agency or a private sector company, aspects of this are going to be come, you know, immediately um, relevant. And all companies are going to have to at least take a look at how they use AI today, um, what standards and safety measures they have in place, and what actions they might need to take now just to prepare for when some of these guidelines do take effect. So I wanted to know about the new red teaming standards. How do you think it will change the way foundation models are created or made, and how might it affect existing uh, foundation models? Yeah. So currently, right now, there aren't any formal um, AI red teaming, uh, you know, regulations. Putting, formalizing something that is going to provide organizations something tangible to measure and assess against. These red team standards are going to have to be adopted first at the federal level, all of the agencies, right? Um, those agencies are going to be responsible for pushing them uh, onto private sector that supports critical infrastructure. Companies that do business with the government are going to have to adopt those standards as well. However, you're going to see that become a best practice. And in terms of how foundation models are currently created, companies are going to have to think about visibility and transparency a whole lot earlier. You know, it's not enough for the models to be tested after they've been deployed. Now we're moving that type of visibility and transparency a lot earlier in the process. Um, as they're being trained, they're gonna have to be tested, but also in some of the um, uh, product development lifecycle and some of the companion pieces that the executive order looks to create, we're going to start to see that safety and security isn't just an afterthought, but is something that companies are going to have to think about in the software development life cycle. What you're saying, um, it seems very inward focused. And I think it goes back to the, even the questions I asked previously about, or the questions I asked about um, companies working with the federal government, right? And so to me, it seems like mainly focused on 
the federal government, the federal government. Um, and so I kind of wonder if if you're not working with the government, do you even have to consider this EO? And then you talked about a little bit about thinking about safety issues before. Aren't companies already thinking about safety issues before they start, you know, creating them? Or do you, are the clients are they, that you work with, are they thinking about it in the middle or after? Because I'll be concerned if you're thinking about it after instead of before you even start creating these um, models. Let me, I guess, address that in two parts. Um, even though the executive order is targeted towards federal agencies and then those are going to get pushed into the federal supply chain, any organization that wants to um, align to best practices can now use these standards to do so. Uh, in fact, you know, we see this all the time at Forrester where, um, you know, technology providers who want to be able to sell to the to companies that support the federal sector are also adopting standards that might not be mandated but are, are more of a general best practice um, in fact that's sort of been a theme of a lot of what we've seen over the past year where you know as ai has gotten steam and um you know we see this wide-scale adoption, we see that companies are starting to put together these AI governance structures, even without specific mandates. What they're saying is, we don't yet have formalized laws of what is a minimum standard, but we also don't want to get caught flat-footed when they do come. So we're going to adopt what we believe to be a best practice, because obviously we want to be able to, you know, work with more companies, have organizations feel confident, try and, um, you know, get past some of the reluctance that organizations have with leveraging AI. So adopting those standards, even if that's more of a best practice than a requirement, is going to become much more broad after the EO. So one thing, I, I counted up uh, 48 mentions of privacy in the executive order. And that just mentions that there's pages on it too. So what are the key takeaways and how, uh, on privacy and how far reaching is the um, you know, executive order on privacy, and does it contribute to kind of the building of more responsible AI? There are a number of times that privacy is mentioned in the executive order, but it doesn't actually mandate a whole lot when it comes to privacy, right? The EO calls on Congress to pass a federal privacy regulation here in the U.S., you know, something similar to GDPR, but we're not there yet, and the executive order can't force Congress to do that. Um, they do talk about uh, internally the use of privacy-preserving technologies and calling on agencies to use all of the resources available to them to be able to leverage that type of privacy-preserving technology. Um, but, but they do call out this sort of, you know, you can't have this responsible, trusted use of AI without also factoring for the privacy of individuals. And that is also a theme throughout the executive order where all of the um, requirements that are set forth they're asking not just the government to think of the implications for itself, but also how this might impact citizens. Pretty much the goal of artificial intelligence 
within this AI is to create a society that can benefit from the value of AI. But it doesn't want to do that at the expense of the privacy of individuals. So we do have a lot of language in the EO around privacy, but at the moment, um, we, we still don't have a federal regulation on privacy and the technologies that are deployed to protect privacy will be, you know, will come from more of a general best practice than a regulatory requirement. My sense is that this will that this document will kind of serve as a spur for congressional legislation to get going on issues like this. I, and I, it, it seems to me that's kind of like what the administration meant that part to be, like to push Congress. I don't know. I was actually going to think say, basically say the same thing because a lot of people have been talking about the need for a federal regulation. So do you think we can see that pretty soon? <laughs> I mean, when you think about all of the other things that uh, are awaiting congressional approval, especially something that is bipartisan, um, you know, as much as I would love to see federal regulations around privacy, um, I don't foresee that coming, you know, in the next six months or anything like that. And so right now, what we have are privacy regulations that are state by state. Have your clients started calling you and emailing you and saying, hey, what do we do? With this uh, executive order specifically? Yeah. Not quite yet. Most people knew that this was coming. A lot of the organizations that I speak with right now, they're not asking about how to interpret the executive order just yet because a lot of the tangibles from this executive order will come when you know, they create those benchmarks, do those studies, look at what they currently have. You know, to get everyone up to the same page with AI regulations, what they're trying to first understand is where everyone is at, as a baseline, right? Different areas of the government are in different places, also different sectors, you know, have different perspectives on AI. So I think that sort of as a first order of business, there's going to be, um, you know, this government funded studies to understand different agencies baselines today and how they're using AI. And well, first of all, whether they're using AI, because I think so far the government's been rather reluctant to adopt artificial intelligence. But that was one of the first things the executive order calls out, which is that, hey, federal government, we want you to use AI. In fact, we're mandating that you use AI. And by the way, when you use that AI, make sure you're using it to make how you procure, how you contract, um, you know, how you leverage that AI much more transparent and uh, much more effective. All right. Well, thanks so much. That was really fascinating. We definitely like to have you back on. Appreciate your, your wisdom. And uh, we will talk to you later. Thanks for being on here with us. Thanks so much, guys. So this segment, we're talking to Gopi Polavarapu. He is Chief Solutions Officer at Core.ai, an enterprise chatbot platform that focuses on conversational and generative AI. At Core, Gopi oversees different AI systems, including Retail Assist, Travel Assist, and Bank Assist. Before then, he worked at Zebra Technologies as a global product management leader. So thank you so much for joining us today, Gopi. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm doing really well. So just to kick it off, when you read it, um, obviously you work as a vendor. Uh, what were your general thoughts about the order and what stood out to you? 
Yeah, I think uh, it it's a mixed feelings for me. So they're trying to you know put the guardrails around how AI is from a governance perspective. On the other hand, they're saying they want to open innovation. So I see this as a similar thing as the social media thing that came out in 2016 around guidelines, safeguards that government is trying to impose on industries. So I see similar things here. So some things are absolutely needed. For example, deep fakes, you know, it's as election year is coming up, deep fakes are very important for us to control. Watermarking things is very important. Uh, protecting national security obviously is is a big threat because AI could be used to attack on various systems. So there are things that are absolutely needed. But uh, one thing that stand, stood out for me was there's nothing actionable. It's all intent to do something, uh, which is what I see in the executive order. Okay, so Gopi, uh, you guys work in generative uh, AI, conversational AI. Um, how might this order affect the conversational AI eventually uh that that knit that part of the industry um and also and how might it affect work you guys actually do would you have to uh, bring specs to nist or the uh, some government agency and have them you know determine whether they meet the requirements yeah i think the things that we're doing on the conversational ai generative ai is more around uh enabling and augmenting contact center employees as an example because that is the area that's strictly mostly automated or augmented human augmented right so that is what we're seeing so even if the governance comes the only thing that really talked about in the executive order is they're going to monitor the labor impacts of the ai technology right so ai has been there it's been disrupting employment for a long time uh, the sheer example is amazon versus walmart you know walmart has 1.9 1.8 million employees with Amazon only three, four hundred thousand because there's automation everywhere, in especially in warehouses. So in contact center, we have been deploying bots for many years. Uh, so we do expect some regulation coming in to really showcase how many peoples are getting automated versus how many are augmented. So I definitely see conversational AI, generative AI playing a significant role in augmenting employees in the customer service. Uh, so that they don't need to do mundane, repetitive tasks and they're really answering questions. They have all the tools they need uh, because big thing that we're seeing is 67% of these contacts and employees say that they don't have the tools to do their job. And oftentimes they're working 15 minutes, 16 minutes to answer a call of a customer. So I do see that there is a place for augmenting humans first, then automating next as we see. And we only see automation in the places where they can't find humans. So I just want to go back to something you said about the executive order. And then um, you said nothing actionable, right? Can you explain what you mean by that? And how exactly, how actionable do you want it to be? <laughs> or did you expect it to be? So I think from a vendor perspective, uh, it's, a, it's a, a welcome governance that's coming from the government. But end of the day, we need to know what those standards are, how that's going to be enforced. For example, watermarking is a simple example on the deep fake, right? But how are we going to control... Uh, uh, AI deployment in a closed walls. It's it's responsible AI, right? So it is something that you need to follow. This is what the best practice is. That is what the government is saying. But what is actionable in this until we get the standards come from NIST, we will not know those. So we need to wait for those standards and what they're trying to implement. Based on that, we can clearly say how much of that is actionable or not. Because we don't know until we know the tech stack is can do it, cannot do it. We have to wait for it or it's going to slow down. If you're going to watermark every video made, then it's going to take a long time.
Okay, so just taking off on that issue, the perhaps the extra work required if you're going to watermark everything. Uh, do you see this as uh, some vendors have said, or some business groups have said that, well, this could this could stifle some innovation? Do you feel that way, or do you feel that there's still it's not overly burdensome what they're envisioning? Yeah, I think it is. the The challenge is obviously the big companies are going to grow big because they already have data, right? So, from a startup perspective, one of the things that I do see is how open uh, this this algorithm is going to be for for common people, so that they can innovate faster, they can develop faster. Because a lot of the development happens with startups coming in solving problems that are not solved. So at this point. I'm not seeing this as a big threat that it will stop the innovation yet until those guidelines come out. So without the real details of the guidelines, it's hard to say. So we'll have to wait and watch when the guidelines come out on how and what they're really asking us to do. Then based on that, we can clearly say it's going to halt or it's going to progress. We don't know until the standards come out. So a lot of the people I've spoken to have said, oh, it's an executive order. And so next year, it's an, uh, it's going to be an election year, obviously. And so it's possible that we might not have this executive order to come 2025. Uh, so you're saying we're waiting for the standards. How soon can we? do you think we might see that standards? Do you think it's even realistic, the order itself? I think it obviously requires bipartisan support to go make a law, right? So, but there will be some work that will be done, like publishing, you know, governance standards, uh, uh, civil rights, privacy. So, there's anything that is touching, you know, uh, every human in the planet. It is going to be, it is going to be implemented. I'm expecting there will be some kind of guidelines provided sooner, but the broader law of taking actionable things will come probably after election. I don't think so. We can actually get this signed uh, between now and end, uh, and end of next year. So I don't see that either. But I do see the uh, NIST start publishing standards around it. I do see some of those implemented by end of uh, before the elections. Okay, so let's say NIST uh, does come out with some standards in the next six months or whenever. What are, do you see any challenges in, in uh, meeting those standards? I don't see much of those because most of those things that they're talking about, the current LLMs already follow those things. For example, uh, following civil rules, you know, uh, being uh, uh, the algorithms to, you know, uh, provide uh, uh, biased decisions. Those are already addressed today. I mean, I, we do deploy LLMs quite a bit with various customers. We do see those things come up. For example, I can't ask questions that are around color as an example. Hey, I'm trying to buy so-and-so refrigerator. I can't use the color, which is what LLMs have implemented. So they have put some guardrails already around it, being a responsible AI companies. End of the day, this is something that every company have to adopt. So right now, that's how I see it. Hey, there is a traffic out there. There's going to be some rules coming. So please follow standards is what uh, this executive order is. So it's on each company to follow those things responsibly. And that's why the words responsible AI keeps coming up in this executive order that they're really encouraging companies to follow and practice responsible AI. That's what I see, but I'm not really clear on how that's going to be implemented for various industries. But LLMs, algorithms, I clearly see them already in place right now. I want to mention that I, I've actually been to NIS headquarters for a two-day conference on blockchain about five years ago. Have you ever been there? 
No, I've not been there. I've been to NIST a long time ago for some uh, uh, government-related work. It's an amazing place. Yeah, they, they've always been doing a lot of good uh, technology work there for a long, long time, but kind of quiet. So uh, I kind of want to dig a little deeper because you're talking about there's a need for something that's more actionable, something that's more needed for vendors like yourself to follow. So how do you, as a vendor, how do you handle the different regulations across state borders, right, when it comes to either the CCPA or the New York law that just came out and other stuff like that? So because we're in the enterprise space, so some of the onus is on enterprise too. So we are a vendor that's providing technology to a, a customer. So for example, uh, California law is something that we have, uh, we have supported. If customers that are based in California, they have to enforce certain things certain way. So we have mended our software to enable the capabilities to support those standards in our software. So that is available today for our customers. I mean, GDPR has been there for quite some time. So we enable those those tech, those standards to in order to support and do business in those markets. But end of the day, the uh, following of those guidelines is on a customer that we sell into. So we don't follow all the standards, but we enable those capabilities to follow the standards. That is what we do as vendors. We just spoke to someone who uh, mentioned the idea of like, uh, you, and you mentioned the idea of like this this EO is saying responsible AI, responsible AI, right? Um, and that. For as a vendor, when do you start thinking about those responsible AI practices, right? Do you think about it right away? Do you think about it before, after you create a system, in the middle of creating the system? What is your practice around in that? Um, and as a follow-up to that, you said, well, there's nothing actionable. But for some ven- other vendors, do you think that this might spur them to be like, we need to think about responsible AI right away? Yeah, I think for some examples of the biotech they talked about, right, where they need to have red teams in place to really see what's what's good, what's not good, act on it. So this is something that they've given as an executive order. So large companies have to comply these things. So we don't know how tight these laws would be. Is it going to be tight to SEC? Is it going to be tight to something that is monitoring these things? We don't know those yet. Right? That's what I'm saying when I say actionable how hard is this rules implemented? Is this just a guideline for you to follow? Is this like enforced with same thing as an example of a traffic, right? You got to have cameras, people to watch them. Are they going to follow the rules? And those are the things we need to know. But at a broad level, what I see is they've given the guidelines on what to do for those industries that absolutely need to take action now. But from an enterprise conversational AI and generative AI perspective, there's not much for us, specifically for us as, as the vendor in the space, but there are other AI companies that they should definitely take this uh, uh, AI thing very seriously that are around national security, that are around uh, you know biotech, things that are uh, very, very important for the human life where people are worried about, is this going to be a, a apocalypse coming because of AI, right? Those are the worries that people should be looking at. But right now, that's how I see, when I read this, this is primarily for those big macroeconomic things that the government is trying to control. But from a, an enterprise perspective, uh, I don't, I didn't see much actionable thing. That's why my response is more around where we are playing in from an enterprise AI perspective. But we do follow some of the guidelines ourselves because our enterprises are thinking the same thing, right? Once everybody reads this thing, every CIO, CEO, they're all thinking about responsible AI so that they're trying to keep jobs because they're going to be cautious now than automating everything without knowing what the implications are. So they'll watch and wait. But from our perspective, we're giving them the capabilities that make them comfortable in doing it. For example, guardrails we put in LLMs. And that is something we do. And the enterprises comply to 
GDPR, they comply to civil rights, you know, they're worried about lawsuits coming around that using LLMs. You don't know what the LLM will say. So we're controlling the responses, approving those responses. So we're doing all of those things that are needed to really make it a, a good solution for our uh, our customers. End of the day, we're really putting this back on customers to verify because ourselves, we don't know how these LLMs will react. Even after putting guardrails, sometimes it works, sometimes it comes with a different response. So we're putting all the tools and utilities that are there to really guardrail those things so that the enterprise can safely deploy these technologies. Okay, so part of this uh, executive order talks about um, stimulating the growth of AI in the government. So having the government hire more talent, use AI more. Do you see this at all as a opening up more business opportunities in the long run for a company like yours to sell into the government? Absolutely. I mean, uh, we started working with some of the government agencies uh, uh, from the last 12 to 18 months. And they have a different process for procurement, especially for these kind of innovation technologies. Right now, they use innovation funds right now. But once we have these AI funds, we're expecting there will be some fund that will be available for the government to encourage startups in the AI space to solve specific problems that these guys have. So I do anticipate that business opportunities that will come up as the government makes this, uh, these government bodies, whether it's US Digital or uh, NIST, and as they start hiring more people, I do anticipate they'll make rules a little easier for procuring from smaller vendors like us who are not GSA contractors, who are not following these uh, standard government procurement processes. Uh, what do you think about the EOs uh, kind of trying to spur more AI talent? So, uh, I mean, AI talent is, is is really scare. It's hard to find. Right now, uh, we're, we're trying to go to schools. We actually uh, do conduct botathons, hackathons type things to kind of educate younger talent on developing these skill sets. So we ourselves are hiring people right from schools to kind of teach them because there's not much of talent out there. So it's pre- pretty much it's good to start from fresh and start teaching them what we want to teach them rather than trying to find talent. It's hard to find, especially for startups like us, when you have companies like OpenAI, you know, willing to pay million dollars of compensation. So it's hard for us to find the talent, uh, especially in the startup space. So we're, that's what we're doing. We're really nurturing and growing the younger uh, you know, uh, talent and then trying to hire them once their uh, uh, training is complete. Thank you much, so much, Gopi, for being with us. Uh, it's great to have a view of a vendor. It sounds like you're open to working with uh, with some of these, these new ways of thinking about AI from the government. And so I uh, appreciate your time. Thank you. This segment was speaking to Catherine Hendrickson, an aerospace PhD holder with over eight years experience as a DOD contractor. Currently, Kat is a senior research engineer at Ebisci Science, a software company that develops next generation AI systems. Before Ebisci, Kat worked as a survivability analyst for Service Engineering, where she analyzed vulnerability of different defense platforms. Thank you, Kat, for joining us on today's podcast. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. We're excited to have you. So I just read a little bit about Episci. Um, Can you speak about more what the company does, what types of clients you work with, and how it relates to AI? Yeah. So we provide tactical AI solutions um, in the Department of Defense realm primarily. Um, And we're really trying to provide solutions to a variety of problems. Um, So things like large area search um, with a multi-agent team, you know, think drones. Um, We look at 
Uh, behaviors like coordinated effects when you're flying in formation across multiple platforms together. Um, those platforms could be heterogeneous or all the same. Um, we also look at, you know, how do you maintain a mesh network if you're in a denied environment, you know, both comms and or GPS. And how can autonomy really help you know, solve those problems, even if you're on a really cost effective, so think low cost platform, um, how can we bring autonomy in to actually provide a great solution to our warfighters? And um, we do all of this while remaining platform agnostic. So we are just a software company and we only provide these autonomous solutions and we integrate on different platforms or hardware with different sensors. Um, my portfolio is typically, you know, your smaller platforms, so your group, um, two, three drones. And then we also have another portfolio where they're looking at those exquisite aircraft as well. So if anyone's familiar with like the alpha dogfight challenges where you use AI to actually control a fighter jet, um, FSI does that as well. So we do, we've got our hand in a lot of different things, um, but really focused on reducing operator workload. You know, we're not trying to replace human pilots or replace your operators. We're really looking at how can we make their jobs easier? How can we make their jobs more effective? Um, and how can we just provide them with more information so that they can make better decisions? Okay, so before we get into this uh, executive order, but so I way I understand it is you guys do mostly hardware, uh, work with hardware systems, or you work for software for hardware defense systems? So we provide the software piece and we work with multiple hardware vendors. Okay, and so is this for national defense, like protecting the U.S. territory or for warfare and military operations overseas? It could be both. You know, we um, we don't really distinguish. Um, we, you know, work with a couple of different customers. They come to us with specific needs or mission vignettes, um, and then we develop solutions for them. Okay, so let's get to the, the uh, government um, executive order. So when you first uh, read it or read about it, what were your first thoughts and how does it affect uh, your part of the industry? Um, you know, in terms of military, uh, defense, security, um, does it uh, affect you? And what are your thoughts on it? Yeah. So my first thoughts, you know, it's it definitely seems like it's a broad um, executive order. You know, it's really looking at developing guidelines and best practices really across the whole um, field, which is, is it's exciting. You know, I think, though, that there's still because it, it's it's let's develop guidelines. There's still a lot of unknowns about how it's actually going to shake out, um, how useful some of those guidelines might be. Um, certain things that I really liked out of it, though, that I do think will affect my industry is how they're really partnering with research facilities. Um, so, you know, it's kind of hard to see if you just read the, you know, like high level summary of it. But if you actually get into the executive order, they're actually putting a lot of research um, behind all of these different areas. So partnering with research facilities, funding extra research um, in AI. And I think that's really exciting to really push the field forward as well. So I definitely think that we'll see some things coming out of that. As far as it affecting um, the Department of Defense, it does look like that was something where like there's a, a piece in there, a reference to it, but I think more guidance in that area will be coming later. So I'm kind of holding my breath, seeing what happens there. Um, but yeah, I think that it's it's really interesting. I, I like the balance that they have between, you know, the intellectual property of different companies and then also having transparency. Um, I saw that kind of 
tension reflected in some of the language. So, you know, we'll see as it goes forward. But um, right now I'm optimistic and I'm, I'm excited about the extra research opportunities. Okay, one thing I just wanted to clarify, there's some mention in that order about like the deep fake side of things, uh, trying to rein that in, make sure we're adequately protected against that or do what we can. Um, are you involved with that end of it at all? Um, use of AI in that kind of, um, you know, cyber warfare? Not right now, but I definitely see that as being something of real interest, right? As the research gets farther along, um, I think you're definitely going to see the concept of like deep fakes or generated information coming in in the DOD area. And so, you know, having these tools developed to identify those, I think is going to be critical. Um, so that's definitely something that I, I see coming down the line. Um, you mentioned a lot about research. So to me, it sounds like it's still kind of in the early phase of like, we'll see what happens with this. How realistic do you think, um, how seriously do you think, uh, I guess, software developers, developers, AI engineers like yourself, people who are actually working with these systems, does it really affect you guys? Or is it realistic? Is it just like, uh, just another AI regulation or things that we'll, we'll see down the line, right? Yeah, so I think it's things that will affect us a lot down the line um, once there are more definitions. I do think though that there's the opportunity right now for all of us as AI developers to get involved, right? To look into this research, see what's happening, um, look at some of the techniques that they're exploring. I think that that's really exciting. I think it's on all of us um, as developers of AI to always be critical, um, self-critical of our own models, critical of others, and really be looking for those, you know, loopholes, those security concerns, and really taking it um, seriously as we go forward. So, you know, it's something I'll be watching pretty closely. Um, I think it remains to be seen just how much my day-to-day is regulated or affected um, right now, not much at all. Um, and, and that is though, because I'm not involved right now with these large scale like language models, right? So um, I think, you know, if I were in that field, this would have definitely impacted me right away. Um, but I think for the majority of us who aren't in that sector, and um, this is more one of those things where it's like, oh, this might push the field forward. Um, it's gonna be really interesting, but nothing concrete yet. Okay, so getting to the part of the executive order about um, dangerousness of AI, do you think that's, um, you know, in demonstrating to the government that, that, that it's not, do you think that's mostly aimed at the large language model people and uh, unpredictable consequences of generative AI? And also, how does the safety um, dangerousness issue affect the stuff you do? Because you talked about um, explainability, uh, trust, safety. So that must mean that you do need to make your systems safe and predictable for their for its users, right? So, so you must be affected in some way by that part of the executive order, but not as much as the LLM uh, developers, but is that correct? Yeah, so I, I definitely noticed that as well in the executive order that most of the like safety security stuff was very like focused towards those large language models, right? Um, I would say though that it's something, at least as a company, that and myself personally, that we're constantly thinking about, right? And I think that goes back to being self-critical. So while 
I don't see it right now as being a requirement or anything explicitly stated in the executive order. Um, I think it's something that as a community, we should all be tracking and watching, kind of monitoring internally, um, because I think there are always safety concerns when you have AI. Um, a lot of, uh, there have been some who have thought, okay, maybe this will inhibit innovation. What are your thoughts on that? Um, obviously, this is kind of like, I don't want to say this is what the U.S. kind of making a stance on AI, because you, but you ha- definitely the EU is far ahead when it comes to regulation and governance. Um, so do you think like governance regulation is kind of limiting AI or what are your thoughts on that? I think it really comes down to what these individual guidelines are going to be, right? One thing that I did notice is, you know, when you when you look at that top level thing that they released, um, it does seem to be more focused on like your guidelines, your safety, security. But when you delve into the actual executive order, there is a ton of funding for innovation and research. And, you know, even when we're talking about these um, like generative models, not just, you know, funding research to um, prevent them or identify them, but like, you know, how can we also use these tools? How can we develop AI tools to help us? identify them. So I think that you, when you get down into a lot of the meat of it, I think that is a more balanced approach. I think that, you know, you see that, you know, AI really is a tool. Um, It can be incredibly useful and it can do a lot of good. Um, But we also just need to be conscious that it could also create harm. Um, And so, you know, there's that responsibility there. How you put that, that, I mean, this could be the first, the biggest step that the U.S. government has actually taken to support AI development, not just regulation, but support development. And whatever you want to say about China, whatever people say about it, it's the way it runs its government, the way it conducts its affairs, it's been seen as being much more active in supporting AI than than the US. So is it correct then to see you saying that this is at least a, a pretty important step in at least acknowledge, acknowledging the AI industry overall and supporting it as well as regulating it. Yeah, I think so. And I I think you can also see that reflected as well um, in their focus. You know, if you look at the the focus area where they're actually looking at recruiting AI talent, not just to the U.S., but within the government in particular, I think that that's really encouraging and interesting because, you know, not only if we were developing these models, right, not only do you hope that the AI developers know what they're doing, um, but you hope that the people assessing it also know what they're doing, right? Which means that the government needs to be hiring AI experts across the board as well. And so I was really excited to see that language in there. You know, I, I'm i a cautious optimist. Um, so, you know, we'll see how much funding and stuff gets in there. But I am, I was excited to actually dig into the actual executive order and see, you know, some explicit research and steps being taken. Yeah, that's really cool because in this whole um, realm of technology itself, you see these tech leaders coming to Congress and the Congress people uh, interviewing them, and it's clear that they don't know much about technology. Their their staff their staffs know a lot more than they do, and especially the younger staffs. And now, so I think it's pretty uh, important, as you pointed out, that that President Biden has recognized that we need more AI talent in the government because now it's run by older people from my generation who don't have a background in the newest AI techniques, you know, they, they might be stuck in the IBM, you know, uh, you know, mainframe, you know, Watson of the 1970s. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. You know, I think it's I think it's going to be a challenge for the government to draw talent away, right? How are they going to make their, you know, compensation packages at all competitive with your tech companies? Um, so we'll see how that flushes out. But I at least I, I like seeing the acknowledgement that it's a priority. Okay, I have just one more question. Um, I love the fact that you like I'm a cautious optimist because you're like we'll see, we'll see, we'll see, and we know that next year is obviously an election year. Um, and so, are you? Do you think that this might stay, or do you think it might get overturned, or how possible will this be overturned? I mean, I think the majority of it would stay. Um, I do think that there are some pieces of it that might be considered more partisan. You know, there's the explicit um, like carving out of developing AI models for like climate change, um, for, you know, more equality, addressing uh, discrimination in different areas. So I could see how some of those might get gutted, right, if we had um, a different party in place. Um, But you know, I think it remains to be seen. I think that overall, um, you know, I would hope that developing guidelines and uh, best practices is something we can all get behind, right? Um, but where all the money ends up going and what research institutes and what research problems they're working on explicitly, um, that might change. Thank you so much, Kat. We really appreciate your time and for uh, allowing us to speak to you on this. Yes, yes, this is a lot of fun. I always love talking about it. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Please remember to share on your favorite social media platform and leave a review. For more on today's topic, please check out the Tech Target news website.